Welcome to the one and only Circle City Sediment with your host and the one and only Zach Griffith. Hello! Welcome into Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith. And I'm joined, as always, on the weekly succession recap, The Disgusting Brothers, by my fellow Disgusting Brothers, CEO of the Running Hook Podcast Network, the penultimate edition of The Disgusting Brothers, believe it or not, Alex Burr. I can't believe it. It's... It feels like the season just started. It feels like we were, you know, just talking about buying PGN. And now it feels like we're just talking about Logan dying. Now here we are at his funeral. What a ride. It's it, It's been one hell of a ride. I mean, Logan died in episode three. Now here we are. Second to last episode of the season. Alex, I mean, it's just time flies. And, you know, this episode, Church and State, even though it seemed like mostly one scene, I mean, one event, you know, the funeral, like you mentioned, the funeral is the main event of the episode, but you have other things happening to the side. It's 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 an interesting episode, an interesting choice by the writers and the and Jesse Armstrong for picking this as the second to last, you know, the penultimate episode with so much on the line in the finale, which, by the way, is over an hour and a half. But Alex, I mean, we have so much to digest in this one, even though, like we said, it's only one. Basically one scene where we have the Roman meltdown, which I, I don't know about you. I saw this coming. I mean, it's been hinted at basically since Logan died that, you know, he's I mean, Roman literally said, like, you know, it'll hit me when it hits me. Uh, I haven't fully processed dad's death and it hits him at the exact wrong time, politically speaking quite literally, politically speaking, uh, quite possibly tanks the company's future uh, in terms of leadership among the Roy family. And it's just, it's the ultimate Roman moment, in my opinion, because so many times he's been close to ascending to the top. You know, the dick pic, for instance, so many times. He has been close to ascending to the top, being next to his dad, claiming the CEO spot. And now with the meltdown he has at the podium at the funeral in the church, Kendall literally says, yeah, you fucked it, bro. You fucked it. You fucked it. And he did. He did. Kendall wasn't sugarcoating it. He wasn't beating around the bush. Like He, he did fuck it with Mencken. And now... I mean, Alex, th- th- there's a lot on the line, predictably, in-, in the series finale this week. Who could have seen this coming? Shocker of all shockers that they would have established the tension in the penultimate episode. Um, that being said, Zach, to go back to your own point, 
I was trying to find a better word for it, but I don't really think there's a better word to describe it than it is kind of bipolar. What happens to Roman? And when I say bipolar, I'm not talking about, you know, like, oh, haha, you're you're really sad one day. Like, you know, the medical definition of bipolar. When I say it, I mean, oh, he gets really either really close to the mountaintop or he is pure fucking rock bottom. There is no in between. There is no like middle ground with Roman. It's either he's on top of the world or. It's like a giant like eagle is rubbing his face into gravel. (laughs) That's his constant state of being. He's never in the middle. And I think that's kind of true. I I have a Kendall. This isn't my original thought. I'll, I'll save it for later. A Kendall thought that I think you'll appreciate. Um, Sure. Again, it's not, it's not my original thought, but Roman just, if Roman had that, middle ground, I think he might have been able I think there might have been a chance but Ken, I mean you said it perfectly when Ken told him you fucked it, it's not it wasn't an exaggeration, it wasn't like Roman's like hey that's a little harsh well, was he lying? was he telling a falsehood? Romulus? He fucked it <laughs> he fucked it, there's no if ands or buts about it he totally messed that deal up for all of his, I, he to, not deal up. He totally messed the. Um, he made a fool of himself, and it was being recorded. I was like, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, "There's no way they're not recording this." And sure enough, there's video of it going around, and they're all laughing yeah. at him. Um, at the end, all yeah, the, all the subordinates. Meanwhile, Kendall's recruiting the um, top, you know, associates and. Roman goes to try to get Frank and Frank's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And cause what in this episode, Kendall secures, he's already got Frank. He like, he gets Frank. He like half, he half, half has Carl. I feel like he secures Colin. Uh, obviously Jess, Jess is gone. It seems like, but that's, that's yeah, a really that's a that. candidate for block in the ward or block in the back award. But oh yeah, that'll be brought up. But no, he 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 gets Colin. Obviously, he's had Hugo in his bag for quite some time. Oh, insider trading. But you know, yeah, we have, and then we have uh, Frank, which Kendall and Frank have always been. I won't say tight, but they've been on the same page. I would say Frank respects Kendall. It's been clear and evident from the beginning of the show. Like, I mean, Frank, when Logan wasn't doing well at the beginning of the show, um, like all the way back in season one, Frank was right. kind of Kendall's confidant in a way. And that's why they plotted together. And that's why um, Frank was fired and Kendall was disgraced. And then obviously, you know, everything that happened after that. But I think Kendall... It's it's setting up an interesting final showdown, and I know we'll talk more about it, but Zach, before we move on to the categories, I just I know you don't like Shiv. But I have to this was such a monumental episode for Oh, you've hinted at it a couple times. When? You've 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 laid a couple um Give me days, give me times. When? Um 
let's see, May 18th at approximately, let's see, 8 o'clock um, Eastern. Uh, I have no comment she this came, time. She came away with several massive dubs in this episode. She got Mink into her side. Yeah, much she, needed as well. She did. She definitely did. She gave an excellent speech at the funeral. I mean, for ships haters, this was a terrible day. I'm just going to a terrible episode. I'm just going to be honest. It was. It absolutely was. And, you know, she, I mean, Mencken basically switching sides here. I mean, the president elect, presumably, I mean, we still don't know exactly what's happening with Wisconsin, I don't think, but, you know, the president, the presumable president elect basically okaying the American CEO for the Waystar Gojo deal and the American CEO would be Shiv Roy in her own words, Shiv- Siobhan Roy at, at, at the request of uh, Lucas Matson. So yeah, as you said, massive, 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 massive W for, for Shiv and you know, her, her, husband quotations husband Tom I mean guy is just burnt out just just totally L yeah yeah L's L's I mean he's L's all around for the WAM scans uh I mean he's just totally out of it burnt out from the election night He's Burned probably just from getting hung shit over from on the coke. by every news station. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just not not a good time if your last name is Wamsgans. But you know, the protesters, the protesters were felt. So speaking of the election, protesters were felt throughout the episode. I mean, all the way down to the wire when uh, Roman basically. Seems like he was trying to sacrifice himself, like getting trampled by the protesters uh, in in uh, Manhattan. Like, I don't know what you're doing, man, but not maybe come up with a, another coping mechanism besides uh, sacrificing yourself in a in a yeah, you know, basically getting trampled by a bunch of protesters. That, that's some advice I would give. That seemed to be like. And again, this isn't necessarily my original thought, but I tend to agree with it. That seemed to be like some real like, because we've seen he gets off on some really weird stuff. That that was a cry for help. It was a cry for help, but also on some like really masochistic shit. Like, oh, you know, I took a I took a bunch of massive L's today. I'm going to control me getting absolutely beat up and humiliated by this crowd. I'm not going to let them, you know, I could just walk out of here with my own dignity. No, I'm going to make a fool of myself, embarrass myself. And in the process, you know, I mean, you know, I don't have to explain masochism to you, but you get the general idea, but I think that's probably the angle which I would approach it at. Cause I mean, I don't think he was looking to kill himself or anything. I thought maybe it, I thought, Maybe, just maybe, there was a chance they would kill one of the Roy siblings. I should have known it wasn't going to happen. I was like, oh my god, are they going to kill Roman? 
No, he just, you know, he just has I mean, a it weird. It could still happen. You know, right. But... It, it could happen. Not this episode, though. I think if it happens, and I, I would. One of the great things about this show, you know, a lot of HBO shows can have a lot of like excessive, you know, sex or violence, you know, like The Sopranos, right? Has a lot of that, but it's a mob show, you know? It's Game a show that, right, Game of Thrones, but it's a show set in medieval times where there's a lot of betrayal, war. You need that kind of sure. stuff. What's, I think, beautiful about this show is that you don't need, like, a lot of unnecessary deaths, you know? I think Logan was the first major one. And I don't think there's been, like, a true sex scene in this show since the uh-huh. first season, I think I saw. And, you know, HBO um, creators are like, fuck yeah, it's HBO. We're gonna, you've seen this before, like, most HBO shows will shoehorn that shit in because it's yeah. HBO. And I, listen, you know, I don't, I'm not opposed to anything for artistic sake, right? Do what you gotta do. But I think it's brilliant storytelling that you don't feel the need to shoehorn any of that stuff in and feel like the story can stand on its own merits rather than needless violence slash death and sex. And I I just think that's kind of cool, especially because HBO allows you the ground to do a lot of that stuff. But it's just the general observation I have about like the show's composition. That's a good observation. And when you, you know, when you look at it from Kendall, the Kendall standpoint, you know, Kendall is the only one of the siblings that has kids and kids really haven't been a focal point of his arc until this season, the kids and Rava taking a basically taking cover in this episode, much to Kendall's disagreement. I mean, fact is I get what the, I, I mean, I get it. I get I mean, I think Rava has proven herself to be a pretty good mom. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, blame her for trying to scram out of the city here. Uh, obviously, didn't have a great. I mean, we've seen Logan's relationship with the grandkids not great uh, by any means, but uh, you know, Kendall, not exactly the father of the year here. Alex trying to keep his kids within the city limits of New York. No, and I guess this is the time to make this point. Again, not my original point, but I think actually I saw this from Charles Holmes on Twitter. I think the real tragedy of this show, because we would agree, Kendall is the protagonist of the show. If not protagonist, he's the one who's whose lens we view the show through. Absolutely. So the real tragedy of this show is that Kendall is turning into Logan. Despite not wanting yep. to. And no, he definitely is. He definitely is. It's really sad when you think about it, but he he thinks, you know, he needs to be Logan. And he doesn't like just remember what Nate said in the at the party. You don't need to be Logan. You're Kendall. That's a good thing. But I think as we're going along in this season, he's losing that. And I think. Kendall never wanted that. He never wanted to be his dad, but I think 
in getting the succession, I think he's losing sight of what he was and becoming what he thinks he should be. And, you know, he's going to lose contact with his kids because of it. He's going to lose probably, you know, the same thing that happened with with Logan and Ewan is going to happen with him and Roman and Shiv. Roman. It's just, yep. it's a, it's a ev- never ending cycle probably. And I mean, who knows? It might happen with Iverson and Sophie one day. I mean, Sophie's, I actually think both of them are adapted, but you, this, the money corrupts people is another central tenet of what Armstrong is going for here. But we'll, we'll sure. never see that day because I don't think they're ever coming back to these characters. I don't think they're ever, they're not, they're not doing Game of Thrones with this act. They're not going to, um, there's going to be no many House saints of, of uh, there's not going to be many saints of, uh, Manhattan. <laughs> right. Um, L, help me out here. Um, El Camino, um, or better, better call, uh, better call Hugo. Better call Saul. Better call Hugo. <laughs> There's not going to be, yeah, not, not going to be any of that. That's for sure. Not going to be any of that. Once we're done with these characters, we're done. And I think done. we're, we're going to be left with our theories, but I think the overarching lesson of the show is that money and power corrupts you into becoming a person that you don't want to be. Totally agree. And I think that's, it's, it's the tragedy of Kendall Roy's life. No, I agree. I agree. Kendall, Kendall's the protagonist It's the tragedy of his life. Uh, and he, I mean, I think without question, he's the protagonist, which is why I, one of the main tenets of why I believe he's going to maintain that and end up at the top when it's all said and done this week. But, uh, Alex, things we've seen lately to start off or to, uh, before we get into the categories here, uh, I'll go first. I got, I got some Netflix stuff. Um, Prime Docs and docuseries, which Netflix, I mean, far and away dominates this 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 little niche of of the genre. Our father, which Alex, as you know, based out of Indiana, the network, the Running Hook Network here. Our father, uh, a documentary movie focused on uh, Dr. Donald Klein, who is a a uh, you know family planning a sperm doctor in Indianapolis focuses on him uh, basically committing fraud. I mean, maybe not legally, maybe not the term, maybe not in legal terms committing fraud, but committing fraud, uh, malpractice, whatever you want to call it, using his own sperm uh with his with his uh patients you know mothers who are having trouble conceiving and he he uses his own specimen to have them to help them have kids really disgusting stuff uh and it's just you know really no motive determined which is probably the scariest thing of it of this doc uh no motive determined no discernible uh, reason for doing it. It's just really sick, really sick. Uh, but it, uh, but it was a good doc. 
you know, it interviewed a lot of, a lot of the kids, uh, you know, his biological kids and a lot of it, they found it just through doing like 23 and me and, and ancestry.com like that, just doing a routine DNA test, trying to figure out their heritage. And one of the kids finds that she has like eight unnamed siblings that she had no idea about. And a lot of it's really tragic. You know, we have fathers who whose hearts are broken because they find out like their their kids aren't actually theirs. They're actually the, the you know, Dr. Klein's really, really sick stuff, like I said, but uh, a good doc, a good true crime doc, if you're into that stuff. Uh, like I said, Netflix Netflix dominates it, but that one hits home, Alex, since it was right in the backyard of uh, Indianapolis in particular. Um, and then we have Sins of Our Mother. I watched this uh, docuseries. I think it was only three or four episodes. Quick, you know, quick, quick watch here. Uh, I mean, if you're into the cult stuff, like learning about cults and that crime, that that genre of the crime shows, you really like this. I mean, it was a mom who was seemed normal at the beginning, and then she joins this religious cult, uh, this Mormon cult. Uh, gets up, gets linked up with this one guy who thinks he's a prophet, and you know how that goes usually doesn't end up very uh doesn't end up very fortunate for the people involved she ends up killing her kids uh a couple of her kids and then one of her survive her oldest son is actually one of the people interviewed in this really sad stuff uh you just see a person consumed by a belief she has that's misguided and it ends up costing her family dearly and she doesn't really give any second thought to it. So it's really, really a tough watch, but also, uh, I think pretty informative if you're into, into, uh, the cult genre of crime, uh, which speaking of which the sons of Sam descent into darkness. I also watched that on Netflix. Um, Focuses on the Son of Sam murders, uh, David Berkowitz, uh, the self-proclaimed Son of Sam. Get some interviews with him in this. Uh, but the main focus of the plot of this doc is this journalist named Maury Terry, who was obsessed with the case of the Son of Sam, was convinced there was more to it than the cops were letting on. He wasn't buying the surface-level stuff. He ends up doing a deep dive into the investigation, gathering evidence himself, and very convincing stuff that that, that David Berkowitz did not act alone, that he was actually part of a satanic cult uh, that perpetrated the murders that he ultimately pled guilty to. Um, and now I'm of the belief that he did not do this by himself. But he was definitely part of a cult. He basically acknowledges it in the interviews he does with Maury Terry. Really scary stuff. Uh, and again, if you like if you like crime stuff, if you're a crime degenerate, you know I fall down these holes sometimes with the crime docs just because I'm a 
to generate for content and whatever Netflix puts out regarding crime. But I mean, it, it really compelling stuff. Only three episodes. And that's the other great thing about it. Only three episodes, really, really quick, quick watch. Uh, then I got Anna Nicole Smith. You don't know me. Uh, this documentary is only it's about an hour and 50 minutes, so movie length. But Anna Nicole Smith was somebody that I heard about growing up. I remember when she died. I didn't know who she was when she died, but I remember it. Uh, so pretty informative about her. A pretty tragic life. Uh, basically, the modern-day Marilyn Monroe is who I, who I compare it to. She was into movies. She was a model. <laughs> Uh, you know, she was a Playboy model. Uh, that's that's basically who I can compare it to. It was uh, like kind of like a late '90s, and then a 21st century uh, Marilyn Monroe. So then, of course, I got Ted Lasso, uh, which Caleb Lynn put me on. I'm all caught up on it. Uh, last episode coming out next Wednesday on the 31st. Not ready for it, Alex. Uh, Ted Lasso. Great show has actually made me briefly consider getting into soccer. Not going to guarantee that by any means, by any means. But if I were to get into soccer, Ted Lasso would be the reason why. So that's what I got for things we've seen lately. What do you got, Alex? So this week has been really busy. I haven't had a chance to watch much besides Succession, but I will give you um, the stuff I was going to use last week. Um, because I did watch a good amount of stuff last week. You know, I watched Burn After Reading, which we talked about before we hopped on last week, but I'll mention it again. Yes. Because I fucking love that movie. Um, I'd never seen it before, but the Cohen brothers just making fun of politicians, making fun of um, bureaucrats, making fun of spying, making fun of just everything. And it's just a hilarious movie. Um, I saw a tweet that was like George Clooney in I don't I don't remember who the director was, but George Clooney in one director's movies, you know, like highly esteemed, you know, man of honor. And then in the Coen Brother movie, look at this fucking oaf. <laughs> and the I don't know has he been in anything with them besides um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou in Burn After Reading? Or are those the only two? Uh, he's been in Hail Caesar. Um, okay. Adding that to but the I, that's, that's that's the only one that come to mind that you didn't mention. Yeah, I mean those two movies though, iconic iconic movies. Um, I finally saw Guardians of the Galaxy three on Mother's Day weekend. Um, yeah, banger, 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 banger. It's been a couple of weeks, so I think we could talk about it freely. Um, what was the what was the villain's name? Um, the the something the high evolutionary. The high evolutionary, one of the best. I feel like we say this a lot. But he's one of my favorite villains. I'd probably have him in the top five. I thought he was compelling. I thought um, they made they did a really good job of making me hate him. <laughs> for what he did to Rocket and all of Rocket's friends. Um, Lila. The whole Rocket flashback stuff. Sad. They did such a good job with that. Um, 
just an absolutely phenomenal movie. And they could not have done better job sending off the Guardians. I'm really glad they didn't kill anybody. (laughs) Super duper glad they didn't kill anybody. And I'm going to go and watch. I didn't watch the Christmas special. I need to watch it because I think I was a little confused about was was Cosmo introduced in the Christmas special? Yeah, he was. Yep. That that explains a lot. Or she was. Yeah. But otherwise, I followed the movie pretty well. Um, I appreciate the fact that they didn't make more a change. So I feel like that's such like a common movie trope, you know. But they like Gamora just go back to the ravager life. And they just kind of had that closure that way. I, I appreciated that. It feels like most movies would have been like, hey, let's go. Um, let's make them get back together again. And they didn't do the easy thing there, which I appreciated. Like that's. That was good of Marvel. And then the last thing I watched, um, I'm sure I had more stuff, but this is what I remembered. I watched, I finished Harley Quinn season three about a year after it came out. (laughs) I've been busy. What can I say? Um, I also was a little bit um, under the influence when I watched it, but Hey, I was like, it was short 20 minute episodes. I've been there before. Um, whatever it was, uh, banger. The people at Harley Quinn know what they're doing, especially with Joker versus like season three devolved into Joker versus Gordon running for mayor. <laughs> and, um, but it was like a psychoanalysis of Batman and Catwoman. You would love Harley Quinn. The, um, I don't know if you've seen it at all. No, none. You would love it. Um, because you would like to take on all it's those on characters. My list. You should. De- I I try to get through the Valentine's special. I'm not going to watch it. I don't think. But it's it's a good show. You it's right up your alley. Based on the other superhero stuff you like. Oh, you know I'm a degenerate. You know I'm a degenerate. Fan. I know you are. Eight point five out of ten. IMDb. Ninety seven percent. Rotten Tomatoes. I like that. I like that, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that out. Um, but uh, news, Alex, biggest news of the week, I think, without question, Max has launched. Uh, Max, which has taken uh, an immeasurable amount of shade on on Circle City Cinema, uh, on. I mean, it, I mean, there's no measure to how much hate it has gotten on this show. Uh, initial thoughts on Max, Alex. I actually uh, need to half shove it up my ass on Max. I mean, it's basically remained the same as HBO Max. All they did was add the Discovery Plus stuff. As far as I can tell, not a lot of stuff taken off of it. There were some technical problems at the very beginning, like the morning of, uh, which I tweeted about. Wasn't really happy about that, but that was predictable. Uh, you know that with with things like this, you expect that, I guess. But uh, overall, not much of a difference. I gotta say. Yeah, I downloaded it um, before we hopped on here to rewatch the success because you know I like to rewatch the episodes before we. Um... Yeah. 
before we record. That being said, it's annoying that it didn't just update because you know sometimes these apps they change. Yeah. Yes. The 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 fact that you had to download a whole new app, I thought was annoying. Uh, but I did like the fact that my list was intact, which was my main concern. Uh, my continue watching was intact. Uh, yeah. So that was a big that was a big relief, at least for me personally. Yeah, I I haven't gone through it on the phone, but on the TV, you know, it's like. There, I, I preferred like the old layout of the episodes where it was like three at a time and you scrolled down rather than scroll all to the left but or scroll all right or left. But, you know, it's not like, like the biggest deal in the world. It's, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's practically the same. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but they're opening up a can of worms with the uh, directors and producers. Because... Yeah. They are, uh, and they might join this. They might join the strike now. Yep. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, um, on HBO Max, there was a tab where, like, you would go through the cast, and it would have you know cast, and they it'd be pretty detailed. Um, you know, like let's say you're it's Pulp Fiction, right? Um, John Travolta, Vince Vega, you know, um you go through the list and then you go to director Quentin Tarantino producer, Harvey Weinstein, right? Harvey Weinstein produced um, a lot of Tarantino's early films. Um, Uh Now, if you go to HBO, they don't have the characters under the actors. They just have the actors who are in the movie. Right. And also they have just creators. I think someone did this under raging bull is what I saw it under. And under creators, do you know who was not listed first on Raging Bull? Scorsese. That is correct. Scorsese was not listed first. Now, when you think of Raging Bull, I have not seen Raging Bull. I tried to watch it. I didn't make it all the way through. Um, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll obviously try again at some point. Who's the first person you think of not acting division when you think of Raging Bull? Scorsese. Naturally. Why isn't his name first? This is going to be no clue. This is opening a whole can of worms. Zach is opening a whole can of worms. And I think they're the studios are going to be so mad at Warner Brothers because this is this is all Warner Brothers fault. And would you look at who's fucking it up again? Mr. David Zaslav or whatever. However the fuck you say his name. Music to my ears. Zaslav hates music. Music to my ears. But Alex, on to another streaming service. The Netflix device verification process, which apparently started today uh, after my father uh, texted me today asking me to verify his device uh, for his account. Or for my account. It's my account. Uh, he's trying to verify it from his TV at his house. Uh, Alex, you said off the top before we started recording, this is not going to bode well for Netflix subscribers. I agree. I agree with you to a degree, but I think Netflix will still maintain their lead over the other streaming services. But this is it's going to be annoying at the least. And. In this economy of convenience, annoying isn't going to get it done. I agree with you that it's 
Netflix probably won't care, right? That people are canceling. But I won't use the example I gave you beforehand. Let's say, okay, you live in Indianapolis. Let's say you decided to go to, for college. Let's say you're 18 and you decided to go to the University of Harvard. Okay. Zach Griffith, the Harvard graduate. Okay. I would have thought. Now, is it practical? I think they changed the system a little bit. Where I think before it was you had to um to go home and you know sign in on your home server, home IP server once a month. I don't think they're doing that now. But let's say you want to watch a movie at eleven PM, right? And you somehow are logged out of the system. And your parents, you know, they have to work early in the morning. They're in bed by 10 every night. What are you supposed to do? You just shit out of luck? Oh, well, I guess I'm going to go to HBO. Then all of a sudden the kid stops watching Netflix. Oh, no one's watched Netflix in a month. Oh, might as well cancel this. I think, again, compared to the original proposal of what they were going to do, I don't think it's as bad. But people are definitely going to be pissed off about this. And there are definitely going to be people who cancel over this. Now, the extent... It's not going to be like a whole other India of people canceling it, but it's, it's probably going to be, it depends on what Netflix feels like would hurt. It'll probably be in the thousands. I have to imagine. It won't be an insignificant number. The question is, will it be insignificant to Netflix? I guess is the, the million dollar question there, so to speak. Right, I, I agree with you. There, there will be, there will be some decrease in subs uh, in the first part of this, but it'll be interesting to see you know if they make some tweaks to it uh, to further restrict the access. But no, I agree with you. It uh, there'll 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 be some uh, changes to to get used to. Well, Alex, uh, some succession news. Not having to do with this episode. Brian Cox feels he was written out of the show too early, referring to his season three exit when Logan died. Uh, Alex, this is also my missing award. I I got to say, regrettably so. This is my Bryce Shaddy, please miss me award. Brian Cox, you're in AT&T commercials now. You're in uh, your narrating commercials. You're doing fine for yourself. This was one of the best episodes of TV of all time. Miss me with this. He's it's one of the iconic characters of all time. I mean I wouldn't put him on the Kendall level because I think Kendall's like up there with Tony and Omar and you know whoever you else you want to put up there like I mean if you want to say the TV Mount Rushmore is Kendall, S- Tony Soprano, Omar, and Walter White, I wouldn't call- think you're crazy. Um, but Logan is, you know, like up there with, you know, a lot of like Jesse, you know, a lot of the other great ones. Um, so he's entitled to his opinion, but we're entitled to think his opinion's wrong. I thought they did a good job writing him. Like, I would put implicit, like, implicit trust in Jesse Armstrong at this point. Why wouldn't you? 
what has he done wrong? They haven't made a single yeah. bad choice in four seasons. Not one. It's not like, oh, you know, haha, this show has had a dull moment or a bad moment. No, this show has slapped for four seasons. So I put implicit trust in the writing staff. And I'm sorry, Brian Cox, you're a legend for everything you've done. But I'm not going to say this is my miss me. I'll give my miss me to Max for making me download a whole other app. <laughs> but fair, fair. I, I, I'm also with you on Brian Cox. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it just seems like he's grasping for something to complain about. But, uh, you know, it's uh, whatever, whatever. If he wants wants to complain about that, that's fine. Uh, He's entitled to a complaint, I guess, for playing one of the most iconic characters in in dramatic TV history. You know, he's 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 entitled to that. But anyway, Alex, getting into categories here for this episode, Church and State, the best scene. I had three. I had three finalists here. Roman basically melting down, crying at the podium, attempting to give a eulogy at his father's funeral. Then we have Ewan's eulogy, if you want to call it that. I call it shit fest, but if you want to call it eulogy, that's fine. And then uh, Roman final scene, basically sacrificing himself in in the stampede of protesters. <laughs> Alex. What do you have here? Or you leave? This was so you. Look, do you watch the um, the post credit stuff, right? Where they talk about the episode afterwards, right? A couple times do I you, have, yeah. Um, did you watch this week's? No. Okay, so this week it wasn't usually the characters, like the actors are talking about, you know, stuff their characters did. This week they didn't do that. Um, this week it was, I think Mark Mylod is the one who directed it this week. Yeah, he directed um, it, yeah. Yeah. So it was him and Jesse Armstrong talking about, like, the decisions behind this episode and how basically, like, they like doing set pieces like this because they do, like, one big scene, how it's all just kind of one big scene. And so I'm going to kind of just, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to lump all the eulogies into one scene. Um... You know, Roman hmm. failing up there, Ewan, um, Kendall, Shiv. Because I thought all of them had, like, their own merit. Um, I think Shiv's... I've seen a lot of praise for all of the speeches, personally. <laughs> but I thought... you Like, watching Ewan's the second time, I thought it was going to be worse... Like, I, in the moment, I was like, oh, this is really harsh. But then, like, listening to it, I thought he was really fair for how he actually felt about his brother. Um, But, you know, of course, the kids, like, them, you know, living off their dad, they're like, oh, of course, this is, you know, such a hit job, hit job. But then, you know, then Kendall gets up there. Roman has his little breakdown. Then Kendall, you know off the cuff, by the way, just basically gives a, a great speech. And then Shiv gives a great speech too. And so that whole sequence I thought was just, you know, honoring that person slash character. I thought that was, I'm going to give it to that whole sequence. I'm cheating a little bit, but based on what the director said, they said it was basically one giant scene. So yeah, 
Well, well, in this episode, like we said off the top, like you have to. I mean, it's uh, basically one scene for 75% of the episode. So I have, I have no problem with you doing that. I would personally say, because Roman crying at the podium, he was attempting to basically cover for what Ewan said right before him, and he just totally melted down. Uh, and in Kendall's words, he fucked it. He fucked it with Mankin. He, he fucked. He, he fucked it. And I think that whole sequence, you know, to borrow from you, I think that whole sequence was was the best scene. But uh, who got it the worst? I had Roman Alex. I mean, I, I I don't think there's anyone else to, you know, if we want to do a combo here, who got it the worst and blocking the back for the worst decision? Worst decision. Roman going into the protesters who, you know, Roman Roy, I feel like, is a recognizable figure. Had that exact and same I feel like thought. the protesters definitely knew who he was. And they did not stop when they saw him lying in the street during the protest. They, you know, they made they went out of their way to try and trample him to make to make him feel the pain. But who got it the worst? No question. If you if you combine the stampede of protesters with the making a fool of himself at his dad's funeral, which I mean, if anybody else, you know, if you're at your dad's funeral crying, giving the eulogy, obviously no one is going to hold it against you. But when you're in a family like this, when you have as much at stake as you do with the circumstances at hand. People are going to hold it against you. That's why I give it to Roman for who got it the worst. So double award winner this week, who got it the worst and blocking the back award, Roman Roy. I will grant you who got it the worst. Um, I think it's a team blocking the back this week, though. Oh, and hear me, we've hear me had out. That. Okay. So, yes, Roman deserves it probably for his own actions. But what fucked them over was when they were... Whose house was that at? Was that at... um, Where were they at post-funeral? I don't even... I actually don't know. So, okay, wherever they were, when they... When it was him, or first it was Kendall... Then it was Greg. Then it was Roman. Crowding Minkin like a bunch of gnats. Trying to get in his ear. Wasting no time. Then, exactly. And who comes in to save the day? Shiv. Which is why. Blocking the back. For Roman. Kendall. And Gregory Hirsch. I think. Trio. The trio deserves the block in the back because. Listen. Things can change in the finale. But as of right now. Shit is sitting in the driver's seat. Um, she's the one who's got their balls in a vice grip. And I also think um, that was like the pivotal moment where like, because if, first of all, if Greg doesn't come over, things might not escalate. But then Roman coming over, I think really fucked things up. If it was just Kendall, I think Kendall would have just been fine. But it was all of them trying to get their peace in, all of them trying to, you know, say whatever and insulting each other. Like, they they deserve a collaborative 
again, a, possibly a first in the history of Circle City Cinema, a collaborative block in the back award. It is a first, and I'm going to allow it because I actually agree. I, I agree with that. Uh, not a great look for that group. Uh, and if, as a matter of fact, I mean, uh, you know, this is probably the case in real life too, but okay, uh, simping, simping for the president-elect Jared Menken, simping for him, Do, you know, at his beck and call, at his beck and call, you know, Shiv, who was, was one of the, probably the most staunch opponent against him. Now all of a sudden, oh, I'll be the U.S. CEO. What, what, what? 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 Just to what? What? But no, I I agree with you. And you know, let's let's mark this landmark moment in in the show's history with the team, the team, the the Denver Nuggets, if you will, the San Antonio Spurs team award for a blo- team effort. Wait, blocking wouldn't the it be the Atlanta Hawks? The 2015 Atlanta Hawks. When they all won player of the <laughs> yeah. month. Yeah. The, the, the starting five, the, the 2016 Cubs infield, uh, all-star. They, they, they were the, the 2016 Cubs were the all-star infield for the all-star game. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, then moving on to the big winner and the big loser, big winner. I have Shiv and Lucas Matson who were dead in the water. Matson uh fudging his India numbers in terms of subscribers. Shiv who tied her, you know, tied her boat to Matson, uh not not really thinking, not really doing a in-depth background check on the guy before doing that. Uh they seem to be in good hands going into the finale. I mean Menken seemingly gonna allow, gonna you know, going to allow the Gojo deal to go through with Waystar uh, in the face of Roman melting down at the funeral. Alex, I I think it's a clear winner this week with the there's, co-winners, Shiv and Matson. And yeah, there's no one else that could be. Plus, they buried the the, the numbers. Um, Shiv finally won that discussion. It's the same she's had probably... The, really, the only good idea she's had all season, to be frank, is burying the numbers, especially on a day like today when, you know, all the riots are happening. Um, that's one area, like, she's always talking about her political expertise, right? Like, oh, you know, I've got political connections, blah, blah, blah. That's the one time where her political, like, expertise comes in handy is when in times like that, when she's like, oh, this is the perfect time for a news dump because no one will be paying attention right now. Other than that, it's not really practical for what they're trying to do, I would say. But in in this specific instance, Zach, I would say it's quite practical. You're not a big loser. Also a co-winner. Kendall and Roman Roy. Roman, of course, as we mentioned a couple times before this segment, fucked it, in the words of Kendall, fucked it at the funeral with Mencken and his administration. Now, Kendall, who I've been predicting all season, Alex, on the Disgusting Brothers, is going to stand alone at the end of the season. 
I think he's kind of starting to distance himself from Roman, given what happened at the eulogy at the funeral, uh, or with the eulogy at the funeral, uh, distancing himself from Shiv, obviously, from what she did in the last episode in America Decides. Uh, now, Roman, or sorry, Kendall is literally going to have to pull off a Logan type of move if he wants to come out on top because Shiv and Matson seemingly have an alliance with the president-elect Mencken. Roman is kind of playing himself out of this uh, Al Horford style shooting threes. I don't know what to think, but I'm going to go with the Roy brothers with the big losers here because... They just, I mean, I, I I really didn't think there was anybody else that it could be in this episode. I see your point. Um, did you, sorry, I was thinking of what I wanted to say. Like I was listening. Did you mention the Jess thing in your? No, if you, that's a good point okay. too. Kendall that's, losing Jess basically for giving the election to Mencken on election night. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really yes. her only reason for it. She didn't outright say it, but we all knew that's what the reason was. With that being said, there's because I agree with a lot of your points that a lot of stuff, bad stuff did happen to Kendall, but a lot of good stuff happened to him in this episode too. I mean, having Colin on your side, having the one with the biggest blackmail on you on your side, I'd say that's a pretty big win. Getting Hugo, I mean, he already had Hugo, like you said, <laughs> insider trading. Um, yeah. That's a pretty big win. And Hugo gave him the information that Hugo, he already had the leg up that he knew Shiv was going to try to pull something like this, right? So he wasn't, I don't think, completely blindsided by this, which is why I think he made that aggressive move for Mankin at the. Um, at the, what would you call that? Like the post funeral. Okay. I guess if you were going to make the case for Kendall losing, it'd probably be the aggregate of what, of the bad stuff outweighing the good stuff in this episode. That being said, I think Roman is such a clear loser in this episode that for me, I'd remove the co-designation. This isn't Grant Hill, Jason Kidd of losers. This is, um, who is a unanimous for, I mean, this is Paolo Bancaro. This is Palo Bancaro, big loser. I, I don't really think it's, you know, for me, it's not that close. I think Kendall had enough wins in this episode. And plus he completely Blake Griffin rookie of the year. Exactly. He lister blistered Roman at the end. Like Kendall's in complete control of that situation. I don't think sibling power rankings right now. It's Shiv and Kendall basically in a dead heat, and then Roman. Roman's car played himself out of it. Yeah, Roman's car, like all of his tires popped. Someone rammed him into the side of the wall. His car's on fire. Um, he has three broken bones. You know, everything bad that could have happened to him happened to him. So he's out of the running. There's no way. Now there's a. Have you seen this theory going around? I don't even know if it's a theory. People think Greg's going to be the next CEO. 
Like a lot of people seem to think Greg's going to be. I have seen that. I mean, I'm not buying it, obviously, but I have seen that. I think. So, okay. We agree. Shiv and Kendall, most likely to to be CEO. Yes. Mm. I think after them, the next most likely candidate would probably be Greg. That being said, I would be floored if Greg is the CEO at the end of this. Yes, he survives and advances a lot, but this would be a little extreme. Like the, him making his way up the corporate ladder and becoming the head of Waystar. I don't, I don't see that. That seems a little too extreme for me. Yeah, I agree. It seems a little too extreme, but I'm going to maintain. I'm going to stick with it, Alex. I'm going to maintain my belief. What I've been dying on all season on this pod, that it is going to happen that that Kendall Roy will stand alone like his father did atop of Waystar Royco as the CEO the one and only CEO I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on that I'm gonna stay on that mountain I'm gonna die on it I don't know how it's gonna happen the, you know that we have an hour and a half this week to find out how it's gonna happen uh but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I have to stay on it. I've been on it all season. I'm just gonna stay on it as it is right now. Uh, final segment of the night before we get into wild cards and the plugs. <laughs> the Dylan Hughes slip in the DMs award for a cast member, a crew member, or a character on the show whose DMs you'd want to slip into, ask a question to. I'm going with the president elect, Jared Menken. Because are you actually going to block or are you actually going to support the deal or are you going to block it? Are, are, are you waiting to see what happens with this election? Uh, because uh, Wisconsin, I feel like it's still up in the air. I feel like that could still come up, come into play. Whose side are you actually on? That is my, that is my DM uh, of the week. Okay. So I have a couple DMs. Um, first of all, Carl filed a restraining order, so I have to stay at least 500 feet away from him um, <laughs> for, at all times. It's unfortunate, but you know, I just wanted to figure out who his dealer was. Um, really, really sad. Yeah, really sad state of affairs, though. Um, I'm gonna slip into the DMs of Shiv <laughs> first and foremost. I have a, a couple questions for her. First question is: You're telling all these people you're pregnant, and they don't care slash don't they all think you're going to be a terrible mother how do you how does that make you feel that all these people think you're going to suck as a mom like and it's my my contention is I wouldn't say this to her but I think it's her fault Um, that'd be my first one my first I don't think I really have anything else yeah, I think that'll be it for Shiv. Um, my second one is Tom, and that's do you just need me to ship you a ton of melatonin, my man? You're you've been tired for about seven episodes now. You're oh so sleepy. Um, please, please, Tom, get some sleep. You precious, precious tired man. Um Tom has 
at this point, Tom saying I'm so tired is like Jon Snow saying you're my queen. It, like, yeah, it's I think they're just trying to squeeze it into every episode they can. Um, My next one is tangentially related to the first one, and that is to their mother, Caroline. First, my first question is. Um, how does it feel to be married to someone who just like at any social event can't contain himself and is just like the biggest br- fucking brown noser imaginable? Like this dude, like just loves being in like those rooms. What is Peter Munyon? That like you know I rail on the names department, but that one's actually kind of funny. <laughs> and then. Um, my second question is why do you have to keep finding weight? Like I know Shiv's not a good person, but have you ever thought to yourself that you, maybe you're the reason she's not a good person? Like right. <laughs> she's a terrible mother, just absolutely astonishingly terrible mother. And yet she's so far up her own ass. She doesn't seem to know the reason why her daughter is that way. Maybe she doesn't see the correlation. And then I guess my final DM is to Marsha. How did it feel having to sit next to Carrie at the funeral? Yes. The, it, the mistresses and the wives united. Yes. And I do think it was funny that when uh, Marsha said that, the only one who laughed was Carrie. And you know what? The first thing I thought to myself was, Zach, chuckles the clown. <laughs> <laughs> episode three throwback chuckles the clown i had a lot of dms this week but that's just because carl you know listen i throwing haters well the restraining order i, I think it's a little unnecessary you know i i would like to i just want to know who your dealer is i don't think it's that unnecessary zach it's not it's not that unnecessary but alex you know what's unnecessary me having three wild cards for you tonight uh, okay but I, I don't really care i don't really care uh you know we're in the midst we're in the midst of the nba playoffs i i'm gonna throw some nba history at you with these three wild cards so the first one i'll start off easy can you name me the one player in history to win the finals MVP on the losing team. Oh, that's easy. Jerry West. That's correct. Jerry West, 1969, uh, won the finals MVP on the losing team of the Lakers. Uh, next one. Can you name me the three players in history to win finals MVP with two or more teams? Okay, three players. this one's... Okay, I'm going to go with the one I know. Kawhi, LeBron. Um, those are two of the yep. easy ones. One okay, left. So, so MJ didn't do it. Oh, Shaq. Wait, no, Shaq didn't win in 06. Shaq did uh, not. <laughs> I said that so Good confidently, guess. too. Well, Shaq um, went to the finals with three different teams, but he only won finals MVP with one. With the Lakers. The Lakers. Um, that's right. Cause Wade won in 06. 
Um, yep. So let's see. It wouldn't be Jordan. It wouldn't be Elijah Wan. It wouldn't be Duncan. It wouldn't be. What decade are we talking about here? It's only been around since the 60s. So we are looking at this guy played in the 70s and 80s. It's not Dennis Johnson. No, he didn't win with the Celtics. Um, um, Moses Malone. Duh. Wait, no. He only won one. No. Incorrect. Um, he's a big man, though. He, he's Kareem. a big man. I'll give you Kareem. that. Yes. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 1971 with the Bucks, 1985 with the Lakers. So yes, correct. And then this third one, this third wild card. I think the hardest. Can you name me, Alex, the three players ever in history in their career to win all three of these awards: the MVP, the Finals MVP, and Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, well, Akeem Olajuwon. Correct. Okay, so it wasn't around in Bill Russell. is actually the only player in history to win all three of those awards in the same season. That's correct. Um, that's because Michael Jordan wasn't um, winning finals when he won his, but Michael Jordan's one of the other ones. Yep. Um, yeah, Michael Jordan, Dream, and then this other one, uh, which is in our lifetime, Alex. Okay, so that narrows it down. Um, the problem is there's not a whole lot of MVPs who also won defensive player. The Oh, Giannis. Duh. That's right, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, the, yeah, you got them all. Michael Jordan, Akeem Olajuwon, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Three players in history to win MVP, finals MVP, and defensive player of the year in their career. So... Oh, well, you got that a lot easier than I thought. Uh, I underestimated your degeneracy. So, props to you. Props to you. Well, for that. It, uh, it was a lot of thinking. Yeah. Also, you re- you realize something taking a lot of sparkle quizzes, Zach, is that the <laughs> amount of players who've won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, the overlap of those two, is not very much. Not very much at all, which is you know kind of surprising. Uh, and I think there's only been three guards in history to win, the, or maybe four guards in history to win the award. I know MJ, Gary Payton, Marcus Smart recently, and I think Sidney Moncrief. I think those are the only guys who played the guard position to win, to win that award. Oh, he did win. He did win. You know, if you want to count him as a guard, sure. Yeah. Guard forward. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cooper, that's a good one. Uh, plugs, Alex, before we head out, before we ride off into the sunset to our final Disgusting Brothers pod next week, what do you have to plug for us? I can't believe it's the final one. Um, JD and I finally got back in the saddle this week after, you know, just crazy scheduling snafus. Um, it was an absolute heater, folks. Okay. Absolute heater. He tore Doc Rivers to shreds. He tore um he just tore a lot of people to shreds. It was the typical JD you've come to know and love. And also I tore some people to shreds. 
It was great. Um, we tore the Celtics to shreds because that, I think that we recorded that after game three. Now, the Celtics, I think, are winning right now. Um, they are winning. Celtics are winning by 17 at the beginning of the third quarter. So we'll see. It's not like a guarantee that they come back and win down 3-0. No, no NBA team has ever done that. Um, no, never. I think it's only happened four times in the history of pro sports, if I'm not mistaken. I think three. The the last time it happened, I mean, it's happened a couple times in the NBA where a team will come back from 3 0 to tie the series, but they've never gone the next step and won the series. But it has happened in hockey before. Uh, of course, it happened in baseball with the 04 Red Sox against the Yankees, who ironically, A Rod and Derek Jeter were at the game, were at game four of uh, Celtics Heat. Probably not a good omen for the Heat, but oh well. Uh, I mean, I, I think the Celtics have the talent to force a Game 7, maybe even win the series, but you're talking about something that's never been done before in the history of the league. I mean, it's going to take so much physical energy. It's going to take so much drive. I mean, I told... uh Brush Shaddy this on, on last night's Linsanity slash Shaddy Sanity. Like, Brown and Tatum are going to have to average 55 to 60 points combined for them to force a game seven, let alone win a game seven. And again, they're going to have to do something that's never been done before. I mean, I maintain, I've, I've maintained on pods and off the record that we're going to see it happen in the NBA in our lifetime. We're going to see a team come back from 3 0. To win a series, I I firmly believe that. I just don't know if this Celtics team, coached by JD's Joe Mozzarella stick, is is the team to do it. But uh, I I just I just I simply don't think Jimmy Butler will allow that to happen. I don't think Eric Spoelstra will allow that to happen. I don't think Pat Riley will allow that to happen. Uh, but if you told me it was going to go Game Seven. I uh, wouldn't not entertain the idea. And by the way, JD was calling this guy a fraud in training camp way before the rest of us were. So props to him. Yeah, and, and Alex, Alex, really, really quick. I don't want to go off on a tangent too much because you know how I am with NBA PR, uh, PR that these teams leak. The, the fact that the Celtics just happened to leak this report to Woj that, oh, we never got over the Udoka firing. Shut shut the fuck up. Shut up. We 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 never we didn't hear a thing about it affecting this team throughout the season. Uh, you know, they end up with fifty-seven wins. We didn't hear a thing about it for the first two rounds of the playoffs. Now that they're facing elimination, all of a sudden it's affecting them. Miss me on that. Miss miss me. Miss me. Odoka has moved on. He almost got the Nets job. Now he has the Rockets job. He's clearly not thinking about the Celtics. Miss me on this notion that that the Adoka firing and the whole situation with him had anything to do with their season uh, coming to a crumble against the Heat. Absolutely missed me on that. That is PR at its finest, if you ask me. Absolutely. And if you want to hear takes like that, make sure you listen to this week's Chatty Sanity. Um, if Caleb Lynn keeps up these antics, at some point this will be the, the norm, not the... Uh, not the exception. So make sure you um, make sure you check out Shady Sanity. And yeah, that's all I got for plugs.
Very nice. Yeah, check check that out. I'll be on there for the finals. Alex, you know, like you said, you'll be on there for the finals as well. Uh, looking like Denver, Miami, uh, that would be my bet. I think Denver's going to win it all. Not to spoil anything, but I think most people think Denver's probably going to win it all. Uh, not unless you're watching ESPN or Fox Sports. They they're they're still talking about the Lakers for 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 whatever reason. But uh, you know. Uh, that's what we got on the network. I also have Secret Invasion recaps coming up on the horizon with Caleb Lynn. Uh, weekly Secret Invasion recaps in the month of June and July when that show comes out on Disney Plus uh, next month. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, and Alex, moving on, marching on to next week's final episode of Disgusting Brothers. The final episode of Succession ever. Uh, the four season run ending with an hour and a half sure to be epic conclusion this week. So uh, thanks, Alex, for coming on. And as always, folks, thank you very much for listening to the podcast.